0: organizational need as well. Uh, I'm interested to hear what everyone else here has to say if it does conform to uh, such a need. But as you acknowledge, Mike, and I'm sure as a lot of others are gonna bring up soon, uh, revenue does have a driving factor in that as well.
1: I think it has to, right? I mean, yeah. that's absolutely correct. It has to, we need to know you know, where, where our initial focus is, but you can add other factors in there to create different segments. Um, to be honest, I can't remember who I said next. So I'm going to go with Jan and then Pam, Emily, uh, Rupal and Chandler. So Jan.
2: Okay. So first of all, I just have to say we were completely sidelined with the conversation about post COVID travel and everywhere on our bucket list that we want to go. So that took up more than half the time. And um, and it was... Um, really josh who brought us back to the subject matter at hand because he's currently going through segmentation and he wanted to talk, <laughs> talk about the topic but yeah. but um but yeah so we were talking about uh, overall revenue and the potential revenue um the, the the propensity that they would use your product how much they like to do in-house versus how much they're going to outsource um, And then really though uh, outcomes, what sort of outcomes they're looking for. Um, Geography also came up and and that sort of thing, but we were talking quite a bit about uh, what are the the customer's goals? Because there also can be similarities if it's a small company or a large company in terms of what sort of goals. And why that, while that may not work into segmentation, you want to note it because it may also impact what sort of webinars you do. And they, both the large and the small companies may end up at those webinars or something like that. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to think about that. And then um, alignment with sales and uh, geography, uh, can also weigh into it, so uh, especially for post-COVID in-person visits again.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. Geography, especially when you're in alignment with alignment with solutions engineers, sales, everything like that, you can definitely see there, um, Pam.
3: So we started, a lot of the people in our group, and may I say, shout out, I thought it was an amazing group. Um, a lot of the people in our group are in new companies. So we said, you know, what drives segmentation? Why, why even bother? You know, so when you first start, every you know, everybody's a segment, right? But really... Why are you driving segmentation? So that's a big question. So if it's pay for performance, that's, you know, one way you do it. And Janae was in travel. So she said, you know, look, we have to be experts at our location. So, you know, different people needed to understand those locations. So that's how they did it. When you're segmenting for high touch, it might or might not be revenue, Right. Why do people want high touch? So really, it's not so much how, but what problem are you solving for when you do segmentation? And another thing, and... I can't remember who it was that said it. This is so embarrassing because it was so good. Chandler. Chandler Packard Packard said, this is where customer success is so important because once you segment and you realize who you're segmenting for and what the best customers are, Mm -hmm. then you can bring that information to sales and make sure you get the best customers that are going to ultimately be. But remembering customer success is all about making sure that the customer is successful, so that we have no, you know, very little churn and the company is important. So it's analysis. Really, it's about analysis.
1: Yeah, that I re, you make a really good point, Pam. It is, you know, you mentioned um, there has to be a purpose for the segmentation. And David, um, Elon, I think that's how we say it, Elon or Ellen, um In the chat, he said, you know, segmentation for the sake of segmentation doesn't work. There must be a purpose. That's absolutely right. You know, there's no reason to split people up unless there's a reason to split people up. Breakout rooms, right? You know, we need to have smaller groups speaking. There's no reason. If we didn't need that, if there was no purpose for that, then we wouldn't need breakout rooms, right? So it kind of works the same way. So absolutely, you make a a really good point there. Uh, Emily and Rupon and Chandler.
4: Yeah, um, I, I've heard um, kind of little snippets of this, but I, I really wanna amplify something that Jeremy Mulder said in our breakout room um, that I think we'll all agree with is that segmentation, this this is a construct that we in customer success, success have created for ourselves and it serves us as an organization that helps us be more efficient, uh, more productive. And, um, Jeremy kind of brought up this, this, this circular thinking of like, okay, what's best for us? What's best for the customer? You know, what, what, what would a customer self select into if they knew what our segments were? And I don't know, Jeremy, I'm probably not doing you justice here. Do you want to step in and, 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 uh, Tell us a little bit more about what you were thinking.
1: Yeah, Jeremy, welcome to the stage.
0: Great. Thanks, Emily. Yeah, we had a really good discussion with, with multiple viewpoints. And I think what I was trying to bring is is the metaphor of uh, anytime you go to a wedding, you're assigned to a table. And if somebody comes back to you and says, I'm sorry, I put you at the wrong table and they put you at a different table, it almost never feels good. Um And and it's, if you're in the wedding party and then you're not, if you're uninvited to the wedding, like we have an emotional response to this. We already know what this feels like. Um, And it's, it's something that I struggle with greatly in customer success is saying I'm segmenting because it's, good for you customer. It feels like the least customer centric thing um, that I do. And so I'm always trying to figure out, yes, with the resources available, how can I serve the customer the best? But I'm always finding that I don't feel I feel like I'm spinning it in a way that it's good for me and therefore it's good for you. Uh, And so I struggle with that. So I'm just excited to hear what other people have to say and, and how you navigate that. Man.
1: That's a good that's a good point, Jeremy. And that that may be something that you can discover in your onboarding, right? What what type of care are they looking for? What type of care is your customer looking for? And that may help the land, you know, in a specific um, uh, segment, right? So I, I really like that idea of self-selecting, the customer self-selecting. Emily, did you wanna finish up? Uh did you have anything to finish up there
4: you know all i all i think i'd want to say is it's something that we should all keep top of mind is that yeah. what level of care do our customers expect? And as much as the segmentation model works for us, does it work for our customers as well? And I do feel like generally in customer success, we always have the customer top of mind, but um, I just, maybe I challenge everyone to imagine that customer sitting next to you and hearing about your, your digital engagement program or your high touch program. And is that really what they need? Are we treating them the way they wanna be treated or are we treating
1: them the way we think they should be treated. Very good. Thank you for that. Great point. Uh, Rupal.
3: I'm trying
5: to find the unmute button. Um, So we talked about a number of things. But overall, I think um, the key themes were the partnership with sales and collaboration with them to essentially put together the framework for the organization, right? From a segmentation perspective, we also talked about what are some of those triggers for segmentation and resegmentation. Uh, But I think what we left with uh, as as a headline is the fact that it's not always a done deal. You have to continue to evolve that segmentation as the organization grows, uh, as the maturity of the products grow and as your customers also uh, mature and change. Um, And from a segmentation perspective, we have multiple things, obviously, Um, ARR, geography, what customer goals are to what Jan was saying. Also, the maturity of the customer. And then lately, it's uh, to what you were saying, Mike, earlier is segmentation within the segmentation. Uh, You know, there are these themes of uh, addressing sort of the most critical customers or escalated customers within each of this bucket and how do they get handled. Uh, So I think um, there are different flavors and variables of um, segmentation that we've seen.
1: No, absolutely. Um, Seems like everyone has a different uh, structure and different uh, way to do things. And that's why I think this is an important conversation to have with other leaders. How do you do it? What are the best practices? You know, what are best practices there? Uh, Chandler.
6: Uh, Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Mike. I don't you guys have said a whole lot of great stuff here that um, that I had been kind of Thinking through in my mind. So for me, a couple of things that I think are really important to think about are just how do we use, you know, product usage data um, to really drive segmentation? And like, are we not analyzing our, our product usage data from a, from a customer segmentation standpoint? How are we allowing that to drive like an ideal customer profile that ultimately leads back to that conversation with sales and where we're targeting on future clients. Uh, and I think it's really also important just to keep in mind, you know, as customer success, our, our one of our chief goals is to keep the, the value that the client is seeking in mind. And so for me, it's really understanding, like, how do we segment across what our customers are seeking? And I think a lot of folks have spoken to that. And then also, mm-hmm. I think, you know, when we talk about the revenue number, I think it's smart or it as, as customer success, you know, I think we can really be leaders in identifying, um, ways to look beyond revenue, to really look at it, li- lifetime value of a certain client and to understand that with our products and the way that products are, are purchased today, I guess in my space with B2B products, um, like enterprise versus a uh, small startup is, is not necessarily the right segmentation anymore because the buyer is now could be a single salesperson. And so mm-hmm. understanding the depth that you have in an, in an organization and kind of the penetration there uh, is also something uh, to note. So I'll, I'll stop there. Well, thank Absolutely. you everyone. This has been a great conversation. This is this is a
1: great conversation. I'm telling you, I'm running out of paper here on my notebook here. I'm just writing up writing so much here. This is great. Now I was gonna go to I was gonna quote Blair out of a question that he, he uh appointed here, and I'll just let it I'll go to him because I'm hoping that he kind of talks about what he just posted in the chat. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um Jeremy, you just really blew my mind there to think about how many of us actually talk about that co- that customer segmentation with the customers because honestly i don't i don't want to pigeonhole them or or frame them in anything so i think it's an awesome point to bring up because to me it's an internal tool that i'm not necessarily sharing with the client and i i don't want them to feel as though they're being manipulated or put into buckets for my benefit. So it's really the question is, is this something that might even be a whole nother day's topic, even to talk about? <laughs> great, yeah. great topic today, Mike. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, that that is a that is a huge uh thing when I when I when I think about what would I say to my customers, say, oh well you're low touch, right? Uh, we have you in the low touch, low touch space. What customer is gonna say, yeah, put me in the low touch. Right. Uh, you know, I want to be in the high touch. Every customer is going to want that. Right. So, um, uh, yeah. So uh, Jeff, I, I think I accidentally lowered your hand as soon as you <laughs> raised your hand earlier. So I apologize. So go, ahead, no, no. go right
7: ahead. You're good. Yeah. Um, appreciate the discussion. How's everybody doing? This is uh, a fun to be a, a participant, uh, and, and not necessarily have to lead. So I'm excited to hopefully share a little bit, but you know, to your point, um, Blair, we we don't share that with customers right now. We we really use that as an internal tool to help make sure that we understand where the customer is, and so we use a two vector system for our uh, segmentation. So we look at kind of what's the revenue that they're paying us today, and then versus where where do they sit in the market, and so where they sit in the market helps us determine. Have they really maxed out in terms of maybe their lifetime value with us? And so I think to your point, you know, we use it as an internal tool, use it as a mechanism to make sure we kind of understand: is there opportunity for growth with this customer? Have they really maximized or you know, kind of tapped out where they are? And then can we apply the resources, you know, against those? A couple other things that. Um, I, we're trying or doing, and, and Jeremy, I love the, the thought provoking uh, aspect of kind of what you you were talking about earlier in terms of, is, is this really best for our customer? You know, I think a couple of things that we're trying to do nowadays is really encourage our CSMs to think about their book of business um, as a way to engage customer to customer as well. Um, like how can our CSMs actually bring their their customers together? Hopefully it's not not competitive, right? But how can they actually create environments where they're maybe bringing multiple customers to a call instead of it just always being a one-on-one, hey, I'm worried about you, right? How can can we share insights across our customers? And if we can create the right kind of micro segments in a way um, within our CSMs customer base um, and allow them the opportunity and kind of give them the space, we've found some really interesting things start to happen where customers now are getting on a call with two or three or four other customers at a chance and saying, hey, you know, just kind of sharing, Almost like a mini customer advisory board, but it's it certainly doesn't have the uh, the expectation right of of kind of this this bigger initiative. So that's just one thought you know to think about um, that we've tried to explore is helping our CSMs think about their book of business in that way. Um, and then I think another thing just to uh, call out as well is. Um, you know, I think tech touch" is a word that uh, probably drives me. I don't know if a lot of you nuts is when people start thinking about, hey, this is our tech touch segment, right? Because I think it's really um, kind of getting across the wrong connotation with that, what I think we all are trying to to maximize, which is how do we really maximize maybe the the human to human component that we can while minimizing the administrative tasks and burden that our teams face. And so I think I actually had a really great uh, podcast recording with a guy named Phil Davit earlier, and um, he's got me thinking all about this, which is, you know, how do you drive that home with your teams to make sure that, you know, when we're thinking about creating one to many programs, it's it's not to minimize a customer, right? It's really to to maximize the effectiveness that we can drive customer to customer as well as one to many. but how do we maximize the the human component in the human-human aspect while minimizing the administrative tasks? And I think kind of getting outside of this notion that tech touch is a specific segment that can always be automated, right? We don't have to talk to those customers is kind of the, the misnomer to get over. So a couple of thoughts I just wanted to throw out and hopefully it was uh, helpful, but appreciate it, Mike.
1: Absolutely helpful, always. You know, the great Jeff, I mean, come on. You know, anytime Jeff speaks, everybody's cameras come on and everybody leans in like this here, right? So <laughs> we all know that. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, I saw you raise your hand.
0: Yeah, I just, uh, I had a, a, a new take that I'm trying to use with customer segmentation um, that is is about mutual success and articulating the vision of the company where we're trying to get to and, and who we feel are the customers that can best help us achieve that mission while wrapping that around their objectives. How can we both get what we need and letting them know that you're not in a segment because we think we can get more money from you because money is the rocket fuel that makes this rocket go. It's because we're pointed in a direction and that's our destination. And we want to engage with the correct set of customers that will help us reach that destination and help them reach that destination. And so trying to segment based on what's, what, what are users trying to accomplish, what are customers trying to accomplish, but also what's the company trying to accomplish and making sure that you like fill that piece in. Because otherwise, it's, it seems like it's just about money. And I think the segmentation can be more than that.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that, Jeremy. And you are uh, really uh, introducing some good concepts and good conversation today, (laughs) Jeremy. Thank you for that. Appreciate that, Uh, Jan.
2: Yeah, that's what I wanted to just add in was along those lines. Really, is that um, I think transparency. Is a good thing. I think if you are framing it in such a way that the um, customer understands, you know, like, hey, we see you with this potential or, you know, we think this is a good way of interacting with you and getting, you know, your needs met, you know, or, or like the micro groups that, that Jeff was talking about, we think you can benefit from these. You know, interacting with these other you know companies that are also looking for best practices or have you know similar things. You can learn from each other. I think there are ways of doing it so that they all feel good about it. And it, and, and and frankly, if you if you're ashamed of telling your customer what segment they're in, maybe you aren't segmenting properly. You know, maybe you're doing mm-hmm. it with too much of your own perspective and not enough of your customer perspective. This is something you should be able to share. That's my opinion. So Right. And, and it so should very good. benefit everybody. Mm-hmm.
1: Very good point there. And so this is a topic we could absolutely <laughs> go on and on about because there's so many intricacies with uh, segmentation. You know, we really didn't get a chance to get into what a segments within segments look like. You know, because you can have a segment that is medium touch, but in the inside is revenue based. And also, one thing I think um, I kind of kind of drew from a few different questions that came here is, you know, does the CSM change? when a customer moves from a segment, you know, I guess it depends on how it's defined, right? Obviously if it's enterprise versus a commercial or month to month, the CSM may change, but what happens when it changes in like like a like environment, small, medium business to enterprise? Is, you know, do we want to make that break? Does that break make it more challenging? Um we have time for a couple quick, couple quick ones, and I just just need five minutes here at the end here. So I'm gonna do uh, Andrew and then Trey,
8: really quick. And I gotta, I gotta jet here myself because I got right. coaching cohorts. Um, that that right. was one of the things that we did talk about in our group. Is is uh, you know we one of the things that we we want to do is a csm is to establish that trusted advisor relationship right and most csm's uh, it, it, especially in larger companies are broken up by segment so does our uh, uh, our our desire to resegment uh, create a problem uh, because it it you know that that create a problem with that trusted advisor relationship because we got to move that customer to to a different csm i mean if i've got a customer with a, with with a a, with a great relationship with their CSM, uh, regardless of, of of whatever our resegmentation objectives are, I don't want to I don't want to disrupt that, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that that that's we have to be really careful uh, about that because that's that's key. That's ultimate goal.
1: Absolutely, Trey. Thank you for that, Andrew. That's that's great. Uh, yeah, uh, thank
9: you. I think for us, one of the things that we try to look at is both segmentation and then kind of segmentation within segmentation as prioritization within a book of business for a CSM. So we wanna do the segmentation on things that change much less frequently, like size of the company itself. So after they hit a certain threshold of ARR, they're in. They're with the high-touch team. They're not going anywhere there. And then we're going to segment based on is this a company that has, say, over 2,000 employees or under 2,000 employees? Because that doesn't change that often. All the rest of the segmentation or what we internally call prioritization of that book of business is based on those things that are changing all the time. How is the relationship with the champion? How active are the people? How much of a reach do we have? So that within a CSM's book of business, they're able to respond more dynamically on a month-to-month or week-to-week basis on where their attention goes, but it still stays with that book of business. So kind of to your point, you can build that longer-term relationship with the customer.
1: Very true. That was really good points there. Uh, I didn't even think about that, you know, the parts that don't move as much and then on the inside, you can do, you know, things that are more variable, right? uh, Variable a little bit more. Jeff?
7: Yeah, I was just gonna um, go along that point real quick that Trey mentioned I didn't know if I had enough time so I was typing it in the chat window You're fine. But, um, You're fine. but yeah Trey we so just to give a real example of how we've done that right we have a we have a segment of customers uh, in our tier one or tier two and tier three segments. And what we did is we actually broke those down into smaller cohorts and um, and cohort might be the wrong word because it's not necessarily time-based, but we looked at smaller segments and um, what we tried to do is look at who's not doing X within the product. And now we've got a program that we established where we're running it for a two to three week process and trying to impact as many of those customers who aren't doing X as possible. But there's a way for us, you know, to your point, it, it really doesn't, I guess it, it's spanning uh, maybe our larger segmentation, but it's creating a smaller bucket of customers who aren't doing something that we need them to be to be doing. And um, we've really targeted that specific thing for the next three to four weeks with campaigns, uh, marketing, our CSM. So we've got everyone rallied around these specific customers and trying to help them do X in the product. Uh, so it's just a way that we've tried to do that in real time uh, with our teams.
1: Uh, very good. Uh, thank you for that. That was good. Good. Um... You know, qualitative information based on what we were talking about with the segmentation. So segmentation is extremely important. As you can see, you know, we're going up to the line here with this conversation. And I'm sure there are people itching to have that, but I want to pivot just a little bit, little bit here. Um so as I said, you know earlier, you know I, I, me hosting, I'm actually on the board here at GGR, and I've, I'm on a committee of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And a lot of times, diversity, equity, and inclusion can seem like a really, really big thing, and it's kind of it's really intimidating. And so uh, as we leave today, I just wanted to leave one little nugget here that we can all do here to really start to address that. We have to look at a different lens. We have to look at ourselves in a different lens to to make sure that we are moving in a direction of diversity and inclusion. You know, especially in customer success, which is, is very much needed. It's about opportunity. And so what I would say as we leave today, as we wrap up today, one of the things we talked about in our last committee meeting, which kind of stuck to me. I accidentally said it and it and I, I kind of wrote it down and I kind of enjoyed it was, you know, the lowest level of diversity, equity, and inclusion is one person, myself, working with someone who's not like me. Right? One, you know. So uh, what my challenge to you, to everyone here, is when you're in your jobs, you're in your Zooms, look left, look right, look at the people around you. And us as leaders, what we have to do is we need to uh, look at providing opportunities for people who are not like us. Right. And if we can do that, that one little move, movement, that one little action can really change things. And that's what diversity, equity and inclusion is at its lowest levels, as one as one person working with someone who's not not like them. It doesn't have to be a big thing. You see these you know, vice presidents and chief diversity officers and everything. That's all they're trying to do is get people to work with people like not like them. And that can mean a lot of different things. That can mean race. That can mean gender. That can mean, you know, just, you know, handicap. That can mean a lot of different things. But if we can commit as CS professionals, CS leaders to work towards that, it doesn't mean not hiring a group of people or, you know, you know, ignoring a group of people. It just means let's look at through a lens of how we're actually uh, providing, you know, services of diversity of thought within our organizations. And that one little thing can actually make a really big difference in the trajectory of diversity, equity, inclusion within the CS community. I. Really enjoy hosting everybody. This energy is like nothing I've experienced before. I really enjoyed this. I hope to be back soon. Look me up, up on LinkedIn, Mike Lee, it's Breedley. I'm really excited about this. Thank you all for your participation. I hope more people can talk next time. We had a lot of different types of people to talk this time, which is exciting to me. So, Let's do a little bit more. And thank you all so much. Have a wonderful day. Hey guys, thanks so
7: much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.